Live from the 93.7 The Ticket Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America, this is Inside the Huddle with Nebraska Football Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman. Fires a pass, and it's intercepted by the Huskers at the 25, Jay Foreman. And Foreman takes it down to the 19-yard line of Oklahoma. Another big play by the Blackshirts. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Sponsored by Advanced Medical Imaging. There we go. There we go. Good morning. Special Sunday inside the huddle with Jay Foreman brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging 7601 Pioneers Boulevard uh, with service all your painful needs, MRI options, and a unique game plan set after uh, they do your reading. So we appreciate their support and also I appreciate them always taking care of me and other people that I know that I send there all the time. Customer service is really good. And the location is is uh, easy access for me, so um, we appreciate the support. But we're inside the huddle again, and also Harrison. This is a unique show because this is the first one or the last one we'll do before I'll see Matt Rule's first game. You know, we've been doing this for a while, for about a month and a half, two months, and uh, it's always been oh, we're so many days away. Da 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 da. We're only four days away, so I don't know how many hours that is. It was seventy-two hours. Is this three three days? So we're ninety-six hours mm-hmm. away, approximately. Right, four days, probably a little bit more, maybe a little bit over a hundred hours away before Nebraska takes on takes uh, on the Gophers, the Golden Gophers, as they like to call themselves up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, stadium in Dinky Town. So it should be a good live atmosphere on a Thursday night and. Um, you know, the, one of the big things that we talked about last week was uh, looking forward to the first depth chart. We talked about it on Old School all week, and we talked about it last week on Inside the Huddle, uh, just to see where guys are are at and uh, try to match up maybe some of the things that we heard uh, in the very uh, unique spring, right, Harrison, to say the least, right, when you yeah. bring in 39 you know, new, new faces, uh, which normally happens, right, and you know, the thing that was always funny is that, you know, when Dion, you know, took the job in Colorado and everybody worried about what, you know, Colorado was doing or what Dion was doing. And then he says, I'm, you know, bringing my baggage and bringing Louie or whatever it is. And he pretty much looked at him. It probably was like, there are only going to be about five of you after a couple <laughs> of weeks, right? And there was a couple of kids that left, went in the portal, then came back, so forth and so on. And he had the quote for the one – uh uh, I think alumni's son is like, man, you know, you're six eight, three hundred and ten pounds, but you know, and you got a lot of talent, quickness, but you know, you should go. You ain't starting here, mm-hmm. and there's that way, which was it seems like he flipped over ninety percent of the roster. Which, to be fair, you won one game last year, right, one and eleven, mm-hmm. but also maybe his delivery was more public. But yeah. you know, Dion's a he's an iconic figure. He's not just a good football player that happens to be a coach. He a he is one of the top ten players, and that's being of all time to ever play the game. One of the top ten personalities. First of all, he might be the biggest personality to play football. As far as he was nil and branding way before. I mean, he thought about it in the dorm mm-hmm. and called himself primetime. Um, and everything he's done, he's hit a home run at. So. 
and then also the social media presence, right? And you look at, you know, I'm not big into social media and what it means, but if you look at the impressions and how much money he's made Colorado already from branding, you know, through Nike, um, sold out the spring game, even when it was snowing, sold out the first, uh, I think, half the season overnight. So he's already, you know, pretty much paid for himself going there. And so for when he turns over the team, it's a big problem. And then now with Nebraska, they we did the same thing. Uh, different. And Matt Rule came in and said, look, I'm going to give you an option to be here. But if you don't, then, you know, I'm not going to beg for you to be here. And it's going to be different. And it has been different. And a lot of new faces have came. And some familiar faces or names that we maybe thought were going to be in the future weren't here. We had guys that went through the whole offseason and couldn't cut it. And so now we have our first depth chart, and we're going to go over, you know, we got uh, two big segments and then one small. And then uh, I think the last segment we're going to do, before we send them off to Pete Ferguson, we're going to do, you know, game prediction and then predict some of the more notable games of, you know, Thursday night. You know, obviously the Florida-Utah game is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. I'm a little surprised Florida's not uh, ranked just because of his Florida. Um but, you know, look, they they weren't very good last year, but they supposedly they had the number four pick in the draft, and then uh, they're supposed to be even better this year. So I'm surprised they're not ranked considering, you know, Florida always gets the benefit of the doubt, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when you're looking at this depth chart here, and the, in it, which is, you know, I think the offensive line is pretty much rinse and repeat, right? Um, except for Ben Scott has came in. Um, he was one of the – I felt like he he might be the biggest transfer portal get because it took a little while, right? I think Coach Rayola has a good relationship with him prior to, or at least they have the Hawaii connection. Obviously, with Dom's Dom is his uh, uh, older brother, uh, being obviously a you know one of the better players that come from mm-hmm. the Hawaii area, came to Nebraska, had success. Ben Scott um, was a very successful player at Arizona State in his own right. Um, I know they had like inroads on him the year before and Coach Rayola for whatever reason wasn't allowed to go out and pursue that so forth and so on. Um, but I think he's came here and from a production standpoint and a standard standpoint and a leadership standpoint, he's been more or as advertised and then some. So when you look at the starting lineup, I always like to look at offensive line center on out. He's the center. His backup is Justin Evans Jenkins, who uh, from New Jersey, who I think was a good good recruit as well. He's a state champion wrestler, mm-hmm. and he looks like a decent decent center, right? And so if you need to if you need to move Ben Scott to guard, he I think he could do well, right? But lacks the experience of a yeah. You don't pack. necessarily want a red shirt, right? Freshman, it, right? It's a big drop off from a all Pac twelve second team center mm-hmm. coming to the Big Ten to a guy that's never take you know taking a snap, but. Ben Scott has the flexibility to play guard as well. And then a left guard, uh, which is a little bit surprising, but not surprising because um, I think he played a little bit more towards the end of the year last year, is Ethan Piper, right? Um, Maybe we should have seen it coming. I think that uh, when Ethan Piper went to the Big Ten media days, you know, you couldn't really decide whether it was because he was a good mouthpiece for the program or he's gotten better. I think it's more the latter and then the the first part is actually just part of it, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's in better shape, um, even though you know I felt like he he wasn't by no means out of shape. But I think he's physically 
stronger, looks a little bit leaner, kept his weight the same, um, is really driven. I think he got some confidence last year towards the end of the year by playing more and playing better. Yeah. You know, and, and I think the biggest thing for him, and on your opinion, especially for him, is, you know, he played defensive tackle in high school, came here and moved to the offensive side of the ball. Now, in high school you play both, but primarily defensive tackle. It's been consistency, right, for him. And the consistency necessarily isn't on the play. It's the mental, right? So mm-hmm. you got to think, Ethan Pipers came a long way, right? He was in, in, he was in everybody's doghouse from the block PAT down in Oklahoma, got bum-rushed back there, went off of him, they scored. And now he's starting with a new coach that has a offensive line background with an offensive line coach with continuity. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think uh, just out of the old line, I think we're kind of finally starting to see like a lot of these guys. We've been waiting to make an impact. Right. And with Lyman in particular, I think we get a little anxious. We got to look. Ethan Piper's getting his two junior year. Same thing with Ben Scott junior year. A lot of these guys are starting to get into those years. So now if they have a year and they're not producing, it's your junior year, you're kind of running out of time. When you're yeah. looking at your linemen – this is, I think, about the timeline you're kind of expecting. We get eager, but in reality, Big Ten, junior year, that's when it really should start clicking. So, if, like, yeah, if Ethan Piper doesn't have a good year this year, then I start to get worried. But yeah. He's done what he get needed to. to clock's might, ticking. Yeah. And I think junior year, this is when you got to start seeing that development. Yeah, if you're trying to have a, I guess, out of nowhere good year, you yeah. want to have a, uh older line, you know, and let's face it, this line, this offensive line has been much maligned. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to rhyme here on on Sunday, man. And uh, I'm not get, trying to give you a sermon here and up here rapping. But they've been much maligned, yeah. right? And some has been their own doing. Some, I think, is just the easiest thing to do. Like, you know, blame him, blame the offensive line. Well, it's not always the offensive line. I'm, I'm, and I'm not making excuses for him. Mm-hmm. Um the off the the two years ago down in Oklahoma, the amount of you know procedure penalties. I mean, the you know jumping off sides, lining up, run, all that stuff. That's on them because mm-hmm. that's attention to detail. Like the coach can only like say yell at you or go over the place so much. It's your choice to be jumping off the. I mean, we had guys going, you know, false starts before the center even got under the. Under the under the center or this quarterback even got in the center. Yeah, that opening drive was right. two false. Starts it was like eight, it was like eighty five yards, and you mm-hmm. had like seventy five yards in penalties. <laughs> and we ended up punting from the same place we got the ball. Right. Yeah. Um. It was like Adrian run for thirty. Oh, we got two penalties, <laughs> and then uh, you know, Gabe Irvin before he got hurt, you know, a ten yard run. Okay, we got a five yard penalty. Yep. It was like let's punch you. All we did was like we we punched somebody, and then we let them punch ourselves, <laughs> punch them back twice. But now I think that they've. You know, I felt at times last year um, they played more consistent. Mm-hmm. I did. I th- I felt like some of the offensive plays and schematic things, especially early in the year, and in particular, I'll even even that Rutgers game. I felt like they were put out there in a in a less advantageous position. I think the easiest thing for offensive linemen to do is run block, right? Now that comes down to communication. If they can really stop the, I call it, easy access defensive or miscues up front, Mm -hmm. meaning at the point of attack you either totally whiff a guy or you don't, you're not crisp and the timing is bad on a double team, so the play can't even get kind of started, right? Because as an offensive line, I think I would take the mentality of we are not going to lose the line of scrimmage 
at worst case scenario, we're going to stall, stall, you know, stall, have a, a stallmate, and then we're going to establish the line of scrimmage eventually, right? Whether it's a yard or not, right? Then that puts the onus on the quarterback, which would be Sims and whoever's back there at the running back to make, make you know, the second level miss. So if they can do that and what they did at times, um, you know, I think will help them. Then to the right guard position, um, you got Nuri Noelli coming back, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a you look, you got to look at it like, yeah, he was suspended all last year, but just look at it, he was hurt, right? Just say he went out there and got hurt. And then behind him, you have Henry Lutowski, who has shown the aggressiveness that you need, but he needs a little bit more technique, right? So, you know, I will say this. When Nuri played, this is probably what was so disappointing for him and the team last year and didn't help any coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um is that when he was inserted in the lineup, right? And it was two. You gotta think it was two years ago. The tempo and the intensity and the offensive production came up or went up, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why people were so excited. Um, and you kind of say, okay, now we see what we 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 were getting when he you know transferred in from Colorado State, right? Took advantage of the opportunity. Uh, suspended last year. I know he's been chomping at the bit. Seen him a few times. He looks good. He looks bigger, stronger. He looks he looks mm-hmm. phenomenal. Right, he looks like because it could go two ways. This is what people don't understand. You could just go in the tank, and then next thing you know, you gain like a, th- a bunch of you know a bunch of bad weight. Then you're always fighting an uphill battle. He kind of stayed to the task and worked out. Um, when I talked to him about, it, I said, "Look, dude, you can't go back and change whatever you did prior." Right? Football season does go by fast. Luckily for him, they didn't make a bowl game. So actually, you know, you kind of once the season, once you you know, Matt Rule got hired. Now you're back in there to square one, right? And so I think he's taking advantage of it and really embraced the new um, regime in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a different leader um, where he's kind of – he'll keep you loose, but then he'll push your buttons a little bit. So that's what you need. And I think he's a good kind of different type of leader than Ben Scott, right? So yeah. that you got two guys that, you know, kind of can bend there. And then at the tackle spots, I think, we're, which we'll talk about both of them, um, because I think there's some unique stuff there as well, is that two guys that have been the brunt of a lot of anger and angst. Everybody talks about their PFF rankings, right? Which is, I wonder, I always wonder who is PFF, right? Who are these guys? Do you really watch Nebraska games? I Highly <laughs> doubtful, right? I think they just look at the, at the box score. Oh, they didn't run the ball well. It's It's now, I will tell you, Bryce Benhart and Turner, they haven't helped themselves. But it's but for Bryce, it's been more of, um, you know, the pre-snap penalties, the lack of finishing, um, you know, all that type of stuff. And Turner as well, he's kind of battled the injury bug because you got to think, like I think last year or the year before, he like tore his hamstring and yeah. then he could never really get in the weight room. So, you look, I will say this from hamstring injuries, those things are tricky because you're always kind of playing and doing things like, oh, I don't – you're always waiting for it to happen again because you never really know. Even though they're healthy and maybe strong, you just still feel it. And sometimes it does take a year. Again, I'm not making any excuses for them. But I think both of those two with the holdover of Coach Rayola and with Matt Rule and the continuity in that room, they should play a little bit better, right? And they should be they should be better just by the simple fact of – knowing what Coach Rayola expects, knowing that you're going to have a legitimate emphasis on running the ball, and with Coach Rule um, with the expectations up front ramping up, right? 
So you expect this whole offensive line, the starters, right, um, to play better. Now the asterisks, and there's a, and, and the asterisks are, I think, I'd say these are players that can, when they either plays more or in this, in one case, gets healthier, it makes your offensive line and the fans sleep a little bit better. better. And there's three guys that I want to talk about is obviously Teddy Prochaska, mm-hmm. right? He's just been battling it. He's just, he's just on a bad string of knickknack injuries now, right? Had a back-to-back years where you're out for a season, but this one, I think he'll be available for this game. Probably not to, you know, to his best ability, but I think he's working hard for it. So I think when he starts to get healthy, you're going to start hearing his name being in the rotation, which is good, yeah. right? Uh, he's a sophomore, six foot ten, three twenty five. The other guy at the same position, these other two guys, right? Both of them are freshmen. Sam Sledge and Gunnar Gatula, both the early enrollees, I think, or at least I know Gunners are early enrollees. Sam isn't. When you watch them play, they don't look any different. Now they, you know, look. Sam or Sam Sledge is six three, two eighty five. Obviously, you know, two ninety would be great, but he's only a freshman. But he's been well coached in high school. He's aggressive. He's a legacy kid. He's a guy that you know when he when he plays, he's going to play the right way, and it's good actually for him to be under Ethan Piper because Ethan is a good leader in the sense of he's going to show you the rights, wrongs, and how to mm-hmm. do things right. And so I think he's for if you ever want a a check in the good good spot for their recruiting prowess and in state recruiting. That's it. Then you got Gunnar Gatula, right, who came in as an early enrollee. When you watch him in the spring game, he didn't look any different. He's big enough. He looks pretty strong. Um, he's got pretty good good footwork and quickness, and has gotten a lot better since 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 college. I think you know to be honest with you, or since high school. Excuse me. Sometimes when you make that leap from high school to college, it takes you a little while. I think he kind of ramped it up because he's like, man, I got to step it up, mm-hmm. right? And he's done it. So the depth can be there, but we got to get a little bit more healthy, right? Uh, we don't really need to talk about the quarterback uh, because everybody knows Jeff Sims is starting. On this depth chart, okay, um, which is a little bit different, right? But I always said that, remember we said where there's, there's going to be some ors. So you got Heinrich Harburg or Chubba Purdy. I think it's just based on the situation, right? If you're going to have to throw it, I think they feel a little bit more comfortable with Chubba. If it's something where you got to, you you can, you know, 50-50 RPO and controlled passing game, Heinrich Harburg. Um, and so we'll see, you know, if, if one or both gets into the game in the situation. Um, but I think that, you know, that's a little bit interesting. I think it's, and I like this coaching staff in the sense of they'll adjust their game plan to their personnel. Mm-hmm. They, I, I, I do believe they'll do that, right? So just by chance, say, you know, Jeff Sims, you know, has to run into the locker room for a series. Well, they have, I think they have a plan for that. And you just hope say, so. Right. You, I you, think, you want to plan just in case. I'd right? be very disappointed, <clears throat> and I normally, normally don't say this, is if Minnesota comes out and does something or something like that happens, and you say, well, you know, we didn't we, we didn't prepare for that. Like kind of like Illinois a couple weeks ago, well, then that's just half our playbook. <laughs> that's at this point, I, I don't – I I can't speak for Matt Rule. I just don't think that's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, or he just won't admit it out loud which is probably the best thing to do, right? I'd, I'd imagine they got a package prepared, kind of like what we saw with Logan Smothers and I Iowa. think they have – I think these – I think what this coaching staff has done is that these kids will know where they stand or have a better idea where they stand when they get off that plane Wednesday 
and Wednesday night and Thursday. And it then that comes from weeks prior. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows where they're standing right now. Nobody's waking up at 7 o'clock in the morning wondering what's going on. They're knowing right now, right? And then so then that brings us to the tight end spot. I've been singing this man's praise, young man's praise, since I've seen him play. Um, and it's it's an or, so you have two starters, right? Now, obviously, you got uh, Eric, uh, Eric Gilbert that's kind of waiting in the wings, which, I, I look, I'm going to say this real quick. I feel sorry for him, right? You put in your waiver. Um, you know, you don't want to put your personal business out there while you put in the waiver. You're here. Still haven't had an answer before. It shouldn't take that long, mm-hmm. right? Because when the NCAA wants to suspend you, I guarantee you they get a hold of you within 24 hours. Now, to back to the guys that are on the depth chart, you got Nate Borkacher, um from Nebraska, and then you got Thomas Fedoni, former number one uh, overall tight end recruit. Um, both of them, I think, have, again, done what they need to do. And so I think it's an or. They come out in 12 personnel, they're going to be there. Um, I'm assuming when they come out in 11 personnel, it's either or as well. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, those guys are, are obviously unproven, right? Um, Borkacher has obviously had more snaps and more success. Fedoni's been hurt. But I think that um, both of them will, will grasp the opportunity, and, and I think they're going to be Jeff Sims' best friend. Then we move to uh, the position that I think is probably uh, most sleepless nights, right? Is the wide receiver position, where the starters are Billy Kemp's in the slot, um, backed up by Joshua Fleek. So there's two, look, two seniors, right? Billy Kemp has been very successful at Virginia. Um, and then you got Isaiah Garcia Castaneda with Ty Hahn backing him up. Uh, and we've seen IGC, and it's commendable for him. You know, because he tapped out last year for whatever reason. Yeah. He's obviously came back and and, and got things right. It, and has, there hasn't been any waiver. Right. Yeah, after the it was I think it was the Oklahoma game. Mm-hmm. It was after that we knew he was he was, he was gone. He was supposed to be in the transfer portal, then he just took the year off. Yep. But whatever it was, and you gotta give rule credit where he's actually figured it out and understanding where he's at and he's taking advantage of it. So it's very easily he could have not been on the depth chart but been on the team he's starting. So what he's you, been productive. What do you think his ceiling is? Because I, I wonder if there wasn't that huge splash at Northwestern where Casey Thompson was scrambling. If you remove that play from everyone's memory, do we still have the same thoughts about his ceiling? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a little bit in between that and like the the pri- next two games, okay. right? So, um, you know, I think you still, you know, I think Billy Kim's going to be the number one option, right? I think he's going to be number two. Um, I think as the season goes on, if he continues to work, he'll, he'll his production will mount up, right? And so he's not probably a number one. He's probably like a number two. And in the number one outside the spot, you know, oddly enough, and give him credit, man. He came in as a walk-on. I remember seeing him play for Creighton Prep. Really good athlete, you know, um, is Alex Bullock. And he earned a scholarship this week. Right? Yeah, Matt Rule said yeah, he, 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 he had put him no on, choice. Yeah, put him on scholarships, mm-hmm. came in and done some things. He's backed up by Marcus Washington, who's battling a little of the knick-knack injuries right now. Mm-hmm. But so right there when you're going, look, you got to do what you got to do. You got to block on the on the edge and you got to – um, you know, catch the balls that are thrown to you. So that's the the one position that probably has more question marks. And then the running back, Gabe Irvin is head and shoulders the starter. Uh, Ramir, I think, is going to be is kind of like the go between. And then Anthony Grant is number three, and with backed up by Emmett Johnson. And Emmett Johnson is on everybody's heels right now. So you know, I think the biggest thing coming out of this before we go to break is Anthony Grant being number three. 
Matt Rule told you. And if you really listen to what he says, he's number three right now. He pretty much telling you the reason why you're number three, the reason why you ain't starting is because you've been fumbling. Yeah. And so when he tells you that, once you once we feel, once we see you do the little things in practice, because Matt Rule's that got enough experience, is it the fumbles by great plays by players on defense, or you lack a ball technique? Once you shore up your ball technique, then we know you can run the ball. But you can't run the ball if you're if it's always going to be anxiety whether you're going to fumble or not. So. He's telling you a lot without telling you. He's telling you everything with only telling you a little bit. Um, so I feel like they feel very comfortable with their top two guys, and Anthony Grant will get it together eventually. So that's where you're at on offense. Uh, no surprises, really. Uh, you know, um, for me, besides, well, you could say Marcus Washington, but he's been hurt all camp. Yeah, he's just the guy you really hope gets healthy. Right. Uh, well, this is a good – look, there ain't yeah. no more – there ain't no next year. It's just, you know, with him, it's just I always feel like he, he's in that potential to really lead the wide receiver right. room. Like, I honestly thought this year Marcus Washington might be the number one receiver, and it's just the injury bug. Like, right. It's a couple of years in a row now yeah. where we just haven't really gotten a full, a full healthy yeah. year of Marcus Washington. Yeah, even last year. Yeah. So, but then he came on last year, so that was like, okay, now we see it, and this is mm-hmm. going to brace the opportunity. Trey's gone. New opportunity, and he's still kind of on the shelf, and your best ability is your is your availability. Mm-hmm. And then uh, – Sometimes you can't control it. Um, I know he's he's fighting like heck to get back, um, and so if he's serviceable, you know it could be. You know, look, he's got a big body, can make some catches. So Great he, hands. You know, so, I've never seen him drop a pass. Right. So, yet, so think. if he can get some plays out of him and make a couple big time catches, doesn't matter whether he starts or not. So that's the offense. We're going to go to a quick break and then come back and dive into this defense, which has been, uh, you know. Well, been I wouldn't say much maligned, but a lot of uh, interesting things from this depth chart. Jay Foreman inside the huddle. We'll be right back.